You're listening to the Blair List Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Blair List Podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest. I have the cat eye queen, Emily Sobel. Hi. I'm so excited. (laughs) Me too. This is long overdue. Me and Emily have known each other literally, I mean, since childhood. I don't even know. Yeah. Wow. I know we were just talking about something and I was like, oh, that's was 10 years ago (laughs) right time flies so I know everything that Emily has been working on and I'm so excited to share with you guys all of her experience and advice that she can give to young creatives who maybe want to get into the influencer realm or just want to learn anything about beauty or social media Emily has a really interesting career because not only is she an influencer herself but she manages an influencer department for social media talent at the green agency which is a talent agency based in miami that's really well known and she basically works with influencers and helps them get brand deals so on this podcast we like to start at the beginning where did you go to school and what did you want to be when you grew up so um i graduated from the savannah college of art and design in 2014 i got a bfa in fashion marketing so i guess i have i've always been creative i remember being the weird art kid like honestly since kindergarten i have this memory ingrained in my head of my parents coming and pointing out that i like had drawn something and they're like oh maybe this is gonna be your thing and then of course as i grew up and realized that Math wasn't exactly my jam, um, but, you know, I liked writing and I loved art class. Um, I just kind of knew from a really early age that I was going to pursue a creative career or a creative lifestyle, but, I mean, it was so long ago that so much has changed since then. So, um, long story short, when I graduated from high school, back when we were, like, little baby friends, um, I, full transparency, I got into SCAD and I had my sights set on a school in New York and I did not get in. I actually really wanted to go to FIT and I wanted to major in fashion marketing, but at FIT you have to have a math background and I was not good at math. Or there really? Was, there was some reason they rejected me and it was like, it had to do with something in math and I was really bummed. And, um, you know, and now that I'm older, I can admit that mom and dad are always right. But I got into <laughs> SCAD and my parents were like, give it a shot for a year. This is going to be really good for you. So I went to Savannah kind of kicking and screaming in the beginning. I definitely didn't have the right attitude. And then something clicked and I realized that it was definitely the place for me. And as I got a little older and a little more mature and I fell into my major, which was fashion marketing, um, I, I loved it. I loved SCAD so much. I honestly wish I could go back for another four years. So while I was there, instead of going abroad or traveling every summer, um, straight out of high school after my senior year, I started going to New York and interning at honestly any place that would take me. So right after I graduated high school, um, my senior year summer going into college, I went to New York and interned at Bing Bang Jewelry in New York um, under Anna Sheffield's brand. And This was before iPhones or before I had an iPhone. And um, I started getting my feet wet into like the fun creative industry. Not that I wanted to work in jewelry, but I just needed to work. I wanted to intern. I wanted to take that opportunity and I went and did that. And then 
I went and got an internship with Seventeen Magazine, which I think was after my freshman year. And oh my God, I loved it. So I had this goal in my head that these internships would help me become a market editor. And you have to remember, like this was in 2010, so magazines weren't necessarily on the decline yet. And they were still really important to me. They still are to this day, but I was always the type of person at the airport buying 10 magazines to read on the plane instead of watching movies. And I like you knew me back then. I remember I was in Seventeen Magazine in high school and my mom was like, you have to do this, even though it was a bikini shoot and I didn't want to. So we did it. My mom went with me and she was like, you need to meet these people. You need to get their contacts so that when you're a little older, they'll hire you as an intern. And she was right. So um, I ended up going to work at Seventeen for a summer. And one of the first few weeks there, my bosses at the time asked me what I wanted out of it. And I was like, I want to be on hands on working on sh- on shoots. I want to assist the stylist. I just want to be there. I'll do whatever I have to. So I remember like waking up at like six in the morning on Sundays and going on set with their main stylist at the time or like their main market editors or assistants or whatever. And I would just go and like check in clothes, do all that boring intern stuff. And I loved it. I loved working at 17. So from there, the following summer, I worked at Harper's Bazaar and that was a little more of like um, a harder experience because my I guess I was older and I understood it more and I was at Harper's Bazaar honestly like we were stuck in the back room of this closet me and on it 10 other interns who are still good friends of mine to this day because we spent so much time cooped up together basically hating our lives <laughs> and um, we did horrible it was not fun um, you know I was running errands all over the city in the heat of summer and not doing the glamorous stuff that I thought I was going to do just like I was doing at 17. And we were staying at the office until 10 o'clock every night. And in my head, I was like, I don't think this is the life I want to live. As much as I love to work and as much as I love magazines, I need to be able to um, have time for myself and like to have a career, but also be able to get happy hour and work out and just have a social life. So Working at Harper's Bazaar was a great experience because it made me realize that I didn't necessarily want to work in that industry or live in New York. And after however many years of me having this dream of wanting to go to New York and growing up and going to school in Savannah, when it was time to graduate, um, I had started my blog sophomore year. I know this is all over the place, but I had started my blog sophomore year and started following into social media because Instagram was launched sophomore year. And when I was graduating SCAD and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, I was like, I think social media can be a legit career. And this was before Instagram stories. This was when like a social media coordinator's job was just creating content and posting it on social and using a lot of user generated content. So I graduated SCAD. I went to Europe for a few months with my brother and some girlfriends. And I came home and I had like three days before going to Las Vegas with my mom, which was like a graduation gift. And I gave myself a goal. I was like, okay, you're going to apply to a bunch of jobs. If you get a job in Miami before January, you'll stay here and you'll do your thing. And if not, you're going to go to New York and you're going to do your plan. And while I was in Vegas, I got a phone call from my first boss offering me an interview. I landed from Vegas. I went in for an interview. I got that job and I was at this agency for six years. It was social thinking. It was the best job ever. So long story short, um, I fell into social media from that. I guess not. it's not what I wanted to be when I grew up, but it's weird because life has this weird way of making it all fall into place. Like 
I really believe that you have to trust the universe and all of those experiences from doing from doing those things because I thought I knew what I wanted to do ultimately led me on the path to what I do now, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I love asking people what they wanted to be when they grew up because mm-hmm. it's always different yeah. from what people are doing now. Yeah. And I think also working in social media, like people don't realize everything that goes into it. I think they think that it's just posting on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions of working in the social media field? Oh my God. Okay. Well... <laughs> it's not just posting to social media. Um, It really takes, first of all, I think you have to really be passionate about it. Just like in anything you do, if you're going to pursue anything in life, I think you really have to want to be doing it for yourself. Not because you think there's a million dollars at the end of it or it's going to make you famous, but because it's something that you're going to be happy doing. Um, That's something my parents, that's a value my parents instilled in me. And I remember doing social media for myself and realizing that I enjoyed it and I could see what could come out of having a solid social media platform. Um, That's like what made me want to do it. And um, I feel like people just think it's just this easy thing where you go online and you see these pretty pictures and you like and click, but like there's so much more to it. Like they're really long days because social media doesn't sleep. Um, (laughs) It's honestly a 24 seven job. You don't necessarily get weekends off. Like when I got my job in the contract was, are you okay with working weekends? And I was like, I, I guess. And it's true because some one of our clients was the Delano Beach Club at the time and they had Sunday beach parties. So part of my job was making sure that not only was content being scheduled to go out to promote those beach parties, but we were staying on top of the content that was being posted on that day. So on Sunday when people were posting and tagging this beach club, I had to make sure I was on and engaging with them because with social media, you have to um, deal with community management. You have to engage with that community. You have to make sure that you're paying attention to what's going on in the world. So you're not being, um, so you're being appropriate to what's going on and you're up to date with what's going on with that client. You have to change your tone because they can't know that it's some 21 year old girl behind the computer screen. They have to, um, think it's like the vibe of your client, whether it's a beach club or a beverage company or another person's social media. So it takes a lot of time and effort to do it well. I think the cool thing about it is you can start young without a lot of experience because there's so much room to grow and you learn a lot along the way. Um, with that said, that's coming from someone who was in the beginning, like I was at the beginning of social media. Now it's a little different. They teach it in school, but like I didn't learn how to do it in school. I learned from basically doing it and failing and trying and doing it right and doing it wrong and having conversations. So yeah, (laughs) social media is definitely an interesting field to work in. I think it's great. I'm really happy I have that experience, but I also think because it's ever evolving and it's always changing and there's so many things that come out of it, good and bad. It's not for everyone, but it should also be taken seriously because it is a really hard job. But, you know, it's not hard if you like it. Totally. And I think also something I wanted to talk to you about is how you prioritize your mental health while working in social media. Because I think that when you work in this field, you basically internalize so much information Mm -hmm. on a daily basis especially if you're like on twitter on facebook on instagram like there's just so much that you subconsciously see and carry with you and i know that you're really vocal about your anxiety and how you deal with it and your new partnership with Mm certera so talk to me a little bit about what goes through your mind when you feel like 
okay, I need to maybe take a social break or I need to prioritize my self-care a little more. So it's hard because we're in such a huge digital age right now. And I just, um, I mean, I am the first one to admit that I'm on my phone way too much because it's part of work and it's also a huge part of my life in general. Um, Steps I've taken as I've gotten older and like come to terms with the fact that I need to disassociate myself from my phone and technology um, a few hours a day is like for one, for me, for my mental health, a big thing that helps me just like stay happy and not anxious is um, working out. So I got a Peloton and now when I use my Peloton, I caught myself having my phone next to it versus, and this is all because of COVID. Like I used to go to classes where I loved going classes because I would put my phone in a locker for an hour and it was like the one part of my day where literally no one can bother me. I don't have to worry about anything else. I can just focus on me, put my energy into something else and then worry about it when it's over. When COVID happened and we got stuck at home and I started working out at home, I noticed that I was like putting my phone on the coffee table next to me or like holding it near me just to, you know, like take pictures or tag Peloton. And recently I was like, okay, Emily, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to leave the phone plugged in in your bedroom. You're going to get on the bike and deal with it. So like I put it on snooze mode and, um, so my watch won't give me any notifications. So that's, that's been a big thing for me, whether you do the Peloton or not. I think if you're working in social media or involved in anything that has to do with digital marketing for work or for play, I think it's important to carve out time for yourself to like not be looking at your phone, whether you're reading a book, going on a beach walk, doing a workout, hanging out with friends, having dinner. There's a time and a place for it. And I think it's really important to be able to say like, okay, the phone can go down. And I mean, I'm sure we've all like noticed the toll it can take on your mental health. So along with like putting my phone down, and how you mentioned I work with Sertera, I'm a huge advocate for medical marijuana. It has really helped me and saved me in so many ways because I'm also the type of person where like I'll lay in bed at night and like stare at my ceiling and think of everything I haven't done, everything I need to do, if I'm ever going to meet a, a husband, if my parents are happy. <laughs> Is this a Gemini it's, issue? It's, because it's definitely that a sounds Gemini relatable. issue. <laughs> I like lay in my bed and I'm like thinking of all these like horrible things that can go wrong and I'm such a positive person so I'm like I have these like inner demons where it's like nope Emily you need to do this. Okay well you didn't do this and you need to write it down. So thank God for medicinal marijuana because now like I can control it and relax and again put my phone away and just like um, do something that'll just make me happy and chill me out and relax me and I mean social media it can be a beautiful thing this is what it is it's a blessing and a curse you have to you have to kind of like realize what you want out of it and what makes you happy and then point out the things that don't make you happy and then remove yourself from it whether you need to mute someone or unfollow someone I mean you will not see as much as I love the hot Instagram bikini models on Instagram. Like, I don't follow them. I don't need to know that they look, they're 90 pounds, but they eat pizza every day. Because if I eat pizza every day, then I'll be 900 pounds. And that's okay. But I don't need that reminder. So. Right. Yeah, I think it's all about, like, what you put into it. And I think having limits for yourself, like, knowing, okay, I've spent way too much time on Instagram mm-hmm. today. I actually have, like, a limit on my phone after oh, cool. an hour. I always extend it, but at least it makes me... <laughs> Eight forever. Exactly. But at least it makes me, like, 
know okay wow I've been on social media for an hour already today and my screen time keeps going up like you have to really create boundaries for yourself on the content that you consume how much time you're spend spending doing mindless scrolling I think if you use Instagram constructively and for business purposes if you're an influencer you have like partnerships and you're interacting with your community like I think that's all positive things but it's very easy to get like within that spiral of so easy somehow you've ended up on like your mother's cousin's dog's profile like your ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend's sister's husband (laughs) and their dog like you went to the wedding with them because you saw it and it's why do you why do i and i've caught myself why am i doing this to myself i'm a huge believer in ignorance is bliss with certain things and i agree with you like it, it can social media is an amazing thing it has truly changed my life but i think you need to the beautiful thing is we can control what we see you can choose who you want to follow um, for some reason, a lot of people have like this sense of guilt if they don't follow someone's someone back. And you know what? I don't really care. I am not afraid to mute someone. It's my new favorite activity. Oh, same. Someone sent me a message today because I was posting about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm-hmm. obviously, oh, because you know. But like, it's it's not even about politics. I'm not political. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to know. But when it comes down to it, I'm a big advocate for just like being a good person, doing the right thing. And this, I don't even want to get into this, but I got a message from someone who was my friend and he just said something so rude. I basically was like, I don't even want to get into it. But my point is, is I muted him. I was like, I'm not going to reply. I'm not going to fuel the fire. I don't need this. If he wants to feel the way he feels, that's fine. But the beauty of social media is Instagram has given us this amazing button that makes people disappear (laughs) with just one tap. And I'm all for muting. So if people are afraid to mute, don't be. It's literally the best tool ever. (laughs) So I know you talked about like you know, not wanting to be so politically vocal because I know we're living in a really polarizing time right now. But what do you feel about using your platform? Like, do you feel like you have pressure to be a good role model because you have a, a large following? Um, I think it's not pressure to be a good role model because every day I wake up hoping to be like a good person and the best version of myself. Um, I guess like it's not even pressure. It's more of like I have... I have the obligation to do what's right and what's right to me is basic human rights and, you know being <laughs> just on, being a good person being on the right <laughs> side of history maybe not being racist maybe you know supporting women's rights and worrying about our planet I mean I, I think you can tell who I'm gonna be voting for in November and I'm not afraid to say that I don't like Donald Trump but it's more to me like when the Black Lives Matter movement happened I was like I didn't even I didn't even think about the consequences and I don't even consider them consequences because if someone's following me and they don't think that that's important then bye I don't I don't need that I don't want that I don't want to be friends with someone like that whether they're an Instagram follower or someone I know in real life and I've actually only had nice reactions minus that one person who I mentioned and it's just like honestly an internet troll at that point and they clearly have issues on their own that it's not my problem but it's been really nice because I've had so many messages from people saying like, thank you for sharing this. Thank you for posting this link. And honestly, if it was one person or no one, like at least I'm just trying and doing the best that I can with my, I don't even, I don't have a million followers, but the people who do follow me, if I can get five people to sign a petition, if I can get five people to register to vote, like then I know I'm actually doing something valuable besides posting makeup that people should buy. Because while life should be fun, we're living in a really scary time and 
Um, you know, I think nothing's going to change. Like our generation and the people younger than us and our little brothers and little sisters and all that, like they look up to us as role models and it's our duty just, you know, promote doing the right thing. And if I lose some followers, then bye. <laughs> totally agree. So going into your hustle as an influencer, how do you choose which brands you're going to work with? Because I'm sure a lot of brands reach out to you and I'm sure some of them you're like, mm, maybe that's not the best fit. Like, are there certain things that you look out for where you're like, these are the things that I need to partner with someone? Everything that I share um, is something that or it's every brand that I work with is a brand that I actually know and love. It's probably a brand that I've bought on my own before and have continued to use and have posted about them. And then um, out of that, I've connected with them and worked with them. Or it's a, a brand that has reached out to me and I'll ask like if I haven't tried them before before promoting them I'll be like let me try it for myself let's share it on stories and see how my audience reacts let's see if I like it and then we can move from there actually yesterday I said no to a campaign because I just I I had been trying the product out all summer and I just I didn't like it like it doesn't work for me it's not what I'm gonna be buying I don't want to tell people to buy it because I personally didn't have a good experience with it and obviously right now like any work is good work but at the bottom of like my heart I was like I can't I don't want to promote this so um, for the most part because my stuff is so beauty focused uh, it's easy for me to align myself with brands and a big tip that I share with like my clients and my friends is consistency is key when you see these girls posting an ad for let's say a face lotion and that's the first and last time you've ever heard of it then like I wouldn't necessarily trust that to buy because clearly that's not like a daily part of their routine for me people can come to my page and it's a pretty like consistent flow of products that I use on a daily basis and I make it clear if I'm trying something out for the first time and I say I'll follow up with you and let you know if I like it or I'll be like I've been using this product for years it it's empty and I re I restock it every whatever few months and I think at least in the beauty industry, it's really important to have that consistency because then people can trust it. Like, you like my eyelashes? Thank you. It's because <laughs> I've been using this product since April and it's actually working for me versus here's a lotion that I tried yesterday on my face. It might break you out in hives, but I wouldn't know because I haven't tried it <laughs> Exactly. So another thing that I wanted to talk about that I think a lot of people are scared to talk about is how much influencers should charge mm -hmm. for partnerships. Of course, it varies for how many followers you have, what the brand is, but is there a specific tool or template that you refer to when, for example, when you're working at the agency and an influencer is like, oh, I just got this you know, awesome brand, but I don't want to undervalue myself. I don't want to undersell myself. So, okay, I have two rules. Number one, know your worth and add tax. It's as simple as that. You don't ever undersell yourself. If you think you deserve something, then ask for it. And if they say no, someone else will say yes. Of course, you should always leave room for negotiation and appreciate that everyone has budgets and limits and all that. But at the end of the day, if you feel like you're worth, your your work is worth let's say $1,000, then it probably is worth $1,000. Actually, it's probably worth $2,000 because I, I actually have had this conversation before. Some My friend Rhea, Rhea Michelle, who's a great blogger in Miami and a good friend of mine, gave me really good advice on set of a campaign we did a few years ago. We did the same exact thing. We had the same exact deliverable um, obligation and time and all that. She has a few, She's a lot more followers than me, but... 
I don't think it has to do with followers. I think it has to do with community engagement and how tuned in your community is. Because at the end of the day, if you have a million followers, but you know, like you're in bikini pictures all of the time, your demographics might be like 80% men. And that's okay. But that 80% is not going to buy the lipstick you're promoting. So like you got to know your audience and also know that like, the micro influencer with 9,000 followers or 12,000 followers probably gets like thousands of views on their stories and like true ROI, like their audience really buys what they're selling. And to me, that's more valuable than someone with a million followers. Anyways, back to the story with Rhea. This was like three years ago. So I was still kind of, I was, I was smaller than I am. And we were talking about how much we were getting paid and I had told her what I was getting and she told me what she was getting and I I was so upset. Like she was getting a significant amount more than I was and to me like anything was good because I was so new and I, I wasn't getting that many brand campaigns and Rhea told me and I'll never forget this. Like I think about this all the time. She's like, you are not just getting hired to post on Instagram. Instead of them hiring a makeup artist, a graphic designer, a hairdresser, a photographer, a video editor, a stylist, they're hiring you to do all of those things. So add in the time you're spending on this, plus all of those jobs that you have to fill, plus creating content, plus adding in the following that you have worked so hard to build, that's worth way more than what you're charging. And ever since she said that, I'm like, she's right. Like that that to me is the best advice I've ever heard and it's something I tell every influencer I work with every influencer that's a friend I'm like you should not be afraid to ask for what you think you deserve don't be afraid to go high maybe word it so that you leave room for negotiation so that these brand knows these brand know that like you want to work with them and you're willing to do what you have to but also be transparent maybe say honestly this is what I would typically charge maybe we meet in the middle why don't you tell me what kind of budget you have and I'll tell you what I can do for that amount the beautiful the beautiful thing about the world we live in is like you can have these conversations with brands and if they're reaching out to you that means they saw something in you they saw value and at the end of the day if they don't want to pay you if they want to just gift you product then okay that's fine you'll get something else there's so many beauty brands there's so many fashion brands and i i honestly i can't say enough you have to know your worth and add tax and don't undervalue yourself because it just it you what you have is something no one else has to offer and to me that's worth that's there's no price tag for that you know such good advice you know i mean i had to learn the hard way and i'm happy i did like uh, no regrets now i look back i'm like okay cool i'm so happy i went through that because what if i was doing this three years later being like you can pay me a hundred dollars and i'll do this because to me like a hundred dollars for like my side hustle sounded great at the time but no 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 (laughs) So I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what are some tips that you can give to someone to grow their Instagram following? Another one, like be consistent. Um, Don't post like once every two weeks and then fall off the face of the earth. If you don't have content to share on your feed, think about what you can do on your stories and all these cool features that Instagram and social media in general has given us as a free resource. Um, Now we have Reels, which is fun, and it's only a 15-second video. So... Um, I don't post every day to my feed, but I make it an effort to share things on my stories constantly so that people always see me at the top of their feed or have something to engage with so that Instagram knows that I'm there and that maybe they pick me up on their algorithm. 
Um, with that said, it's not like I grow exponentially. I've been stuck in this like limbo of 18.9 thousand for what seems like forever. And it used to frustrate me, but I'm like, you know what, whatever. I've cultivated this great community. If it stays like this forever, I'm okay with that because I really like the people who follow me and I think they like what I'm sharing. So be consistent. Give people um, things that make them happy. I think, like I said, the world is a scary place right now. So think about what makes you happy and then think about how you can share that and make other people happy. So like as little as shopping on Amazon and sharing like a kitschy little gadget you got versus like doing your makeup and being like, okay, like everyone always asks me how I do my cat eyes. So like I'll take the time to film that even though it's really hard for me to like teach and just little things like that. And then I end up getting a million messages and I start conversations and I recommend products and that's influence. So consistency is key. Don't focus about don't focus on growing your following. Focus on cultivating community and really solidifying your brand so that people know who you are. They know what you're about. They know what they're going to get when they see you. They see your page and it makes them happy. It doesn't make them jealous or stressed or wish they could do this. Like I'm never trying to make anyone like wish they were me. I'm trying to make people realize like it's not you know, like I, I'm just a normal person. I pay my own bills. I live my own life. I have my own struggles, but things that make me happy are attainable and you can do that too. And that's it. I think also authenticity has Mm -hmm. played a huge role, not only in growing your following, but I've been working in social media for so long. So I've seen like the rise and fall of different trends. And I think back in the day, it was all about like having a perfect feed and everything's perfectly filtered. And I see now that the brands and influencers that I follow that are Mm -hmm. growing so rapidly, it's actually because they're sharing their struggles on mental health or they're being real and talking about things that they're going through and really focusing on being relatable instead of like that Mm -hmm. out of touch kind of person. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important because yes, you're an influencer, but you're also a real person. Yeah. And and you want to, you want people to feel like you're their friend. Like they know you. Yeah. And my brand is me. So like the biggest compliment I can get is like, you're literally the same person in real life (laughs) than you are online because nothing is worse than when you like follow someone online and then you see them in person and they either don't look like they do in their pictures or they're just like not nice. And I'm like, I thought we were best friends, you <laughs> right? know? You were like, we were best friends in my head. Yeah, that like, happened. you're not a celebrity. Like, I, to me, like, I don't consider, like, social media people celebrities. I just consider them, like, aspiring friends. Right. People that I'd be friends with if we had been born in another time or grown up together. And it's just right. people that, like, we kind of have the same likes and dislikes. And um, when people are like, you're, you look the same, I'm like, thank God. Like, <laughs> of course, I love Facetune for, like, bad hair days or pimples. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not trying trying to like sit in my apartment and like have no one see me and I um I think authenticity is so important like I I'm my brand is me I can't I can't lie I don't know I just feel like we're getting into a time where influencers who buy fake followers who are not nice in real life who are just like not good people are gonna start getting weeded out the market is getting very oversaturated 100% every other person is an influencer now and it's gonna get to a point where people are gonna start falling off because they're just not you know like they're not good people there's too much controversy people don't like them like I know I have been unfollowing a lot of people who I followed for years and I'm just like 
I don't really like you anymore. I don't like your brand. I don't trust what you're sell- saying. I don't want to buy what you're selling. And there you go. It's, it's authenticity. Like you, exactly. It's like you sage your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I can't even tell you, especially during this pandemic, where people and influencers have really shown their true colors mm-hmm. with different things that they've done or, you know, misspeaking on mm-hmm. certain political things. Um, I've unfollowed so many people and then I've muted a bunch of other people. And like cleansing my feed has been so... It's rewarding. rewarding. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, if you're not like, if I, everyone's allowed, I, I really think it's important to respect how people feel and what they believe in. Um, you have to remember that people are a product of their environment, but I don't need Instagram to be a toxic place and it can be, but remember like you're in control of that. Like you don't have to see things that make you feel bad. If you think something's toxic, get rid of it. Whether you're dating a guy or following someone on Instagram, Get rid of it. You know, life's too short to have negative energy on an app that is just a social media app. A hundred percent. So going over to your creative brand manager role at the Green Agency, what are some things that you see influencers or people who really want to grow their following that you end up signing? What are some mistakes that you see them make that could be easily fixable? Um, well, number one, I'm always like every week I send an email like, hey guys, let's talk about brands you want to work with. Do you notice what, especially during COVID, we shifted our business model and I was like, because there's really not that much work going on and we shouldn't be positioning ourselves to like just take, take, take. You need to think about how you can benefit brands and how you can also help them because Brands need our help too. And a lot of influencers are really greedy. I mean, I'm sure, like I wanna get paid too, but gifting stuff is also great. So I always encourage my influencers to give me like a list of five to 10 brands on a weekly basis or monthly basis, depending on like what's going on. I ask them to give me a list of brands that they either see are working with influencers currently, are active on social media, and also align with their brand and they would like to work with. And I always am happy to like start outreach conversations or help them like start those conversations because a lot of the time, like these brands don't necessarily, um, they don't wanna not work with you, they just like haven't found you yet. And as someone who works with influencers and who has worked with influencers in social media at an agency for clients, um, it makes my life easier if someone reaches out to me and say and says like they actually love this product, their audience reacts really well, let's talk a partnership. So that's something I try to help my influencers learn. Like you don't really get what you don't ask for. Um, you can sit around and wait and hope that someone's gonna come across your Instagram, but like if you wanna work with someone and you see that they're doing this, then what do you have to lose by sending a direct message and ask? Like my thing is I'm like, if you see a brand doing this, let's just write a nice little Instagram message. Hey, my name's Emily Sobel. I'm a beauty and lifestyle blogger based in Miami Beach, Florida. I noticed you're currently working on influencer campaigns and I'd love to be considered. What email can I send my media kit to? And nine times out of 10, they don't answer, but that one time I get an answer I send my media kit and it opens up the doors for gifted collaborations that lead to long-term paid collaborations. And then you make friends with the girls behind the screen who are working for the PR agency or in the brand. And I love that. And then another thing kind of piggybacking off of that is network. Like your best friend in this world, in the digital marketing world, in influencer marketing, whether you're an influencer or a brand wanting to work with an influencer, network when it's not covid go to events put yourself out there when i moved back home from college and came back to miami i told myself i was like okay we have to separate your life growing up here and really 
um, work with people who are in the same world as you because I came from art school where it was all group projects and collaborating and you know helping each other not take 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 but of like okay you're a photographer you're a graphic designer omnit influencer the photographer needs to do this for their class and their portfolio the graphic designer needs to do something for their, for their portfolio and I'm trying to build my blog so let's all work together and we all win so that's been my mindset since college and now in Miami and in this world, to me, like networking has been my best friend because I really wanted to continue to surround myself with people who I can help, but they can also help me. And we're also like just genuine people who care about each other. So that's something I tell my influencer friends, like you can't just sit at home behind a screen, screen and think things are going to happen. Take your time to like introduce yourself to people, whether you can go to parties right now or get on and just answer your emails when brands reach out, you know, like they're just trying to do their jobs too. And the rudest thing you can do is just not answer them because you don't want to work with them. If you don't want to work with them, you can say, sorry, this isn't going to work for me at this time, but I'd love to keep in touch and maybe help you with other projects in the future. You know, don't shut that door. So so building relationships to me is so important and it's crazy that a lot of people don't realize that but it helped me and it continues to help me it's it it has it, it's the reason why I'm here today because of the friends I've made and it just like this like this is something you're doing for me but I'm also doing for you and it's like a no-brainer because it, it's just going to be beneficial for both of us at the end of the day and that's the mindset you need to have. And I think a lot of influencers need to keep that in mind. Like you can't just take, take, take just because you have a million followers. Like who totally. cares? Guess how many other people have a million <laughs> followers. If you're going to do that, if you're going to kind of be an asshole or just be greedy, people are going to take you off their list and find someone else like that. Oh my God. That's happened so many times. Mm -hmm. And I think that also it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. There have been so many situations that I've seen where someone was extremely underqualified for a position, but because they knew someone or the person, their friend worked there and vouched for them or anything like that, they end up getting the job because they have a personal connection as opposed to hiring a random person out of yeah. the blue, whether it's for a campaign or like a full-time position. I think that nurturing your relationships and when I say that, I don't mean like being nice to them because they can get something out, like you can get something out of it. It's really just figuring out how you can help other people because I feel like those blessings come back to you tenfold. Completely agree. Listen, you get, if you give the good to the universe, it will give it back to you. We're all going to have our bad days. Um, but at the end of the day, if you work hard and you care about other people and you're just genuinely sharing things that you love and you've turned it into a business, that's great. But Miami is all about connections. Like it, you can't be all here about connections. and it's gets, the town is so small. Like it's a big city. It gets city. smaller like every year. It gets smaller <laughs> and smaller. Especially and smaller. if you grew up here, like mm -hmm. me and Emily both grew up here. We both moved away from college. And I think that. Miami was really different back then when we were when we were growing up back then like we're so old but it, but it, it really was are. like design <laughs> exactly like design district didn't exist no. like all these cool things like cultured things um like within the middle of Miami those things didn't exist so we were just like going to the beach and going to the mall all the time yeah and I think that when you leave and you come back you have a totally different perspective on the city that you grew up in yeah and I think also especially for Miami like 
the influencer, hospitality, um, restaurant, like agency marketing circle in Miami is so small because everybody knows everybody. And there's a group of influencers that like you're friends with and you guys all go to these awesome events together. So why not try to cultivate those relationships where if and it there's elevates like, it totally yeah. like if there's a food event and you're not a food blogger, but you recommend someone else yeah. like those are great ways to network while maintaining those genuine relationships because you're going to have to go to events with them anyway. Exactly. I mean, I literally joke, but I'm dead serious. Mm-hmm. I'm a food groupie. I'm not a food blogger, um, but <laughs> but you know, I will eat your food. But at I your will eat your food, <laughs> and my best friends are food bloggers, and I I love it, and I see how hard they work. And honestly, the best thing in my life that has come out of doing what I do is all of the friends I've made, all these cool, hardworking, badass, strong people who have huge social media followings and these creative minds, but like come from like normal jobs and normal backgrounds. And it's just been really great. And that goes hand in hand with building these connections. And these people who have now become like legit friends of mine are also people that I respect career-wise and I learn a lot from and we brainstorm together. Dana of Miami Food Porn is literally one of my best friends and we would have been friends regardless because we know each other through so many friend groups but we really became close because of like running into each other at events and we've been on a few work trips together and now we have made a media kit with us and a few of our other friends because when we want to go on trips and reach out to brands we can say this is what you're going to get with all of us. This is how we're going to work together. I didn't even think of that. Well we were supposed to go to it's so sad. We were supposed to go to Vegas in May. Um, Dana had gone to Vegas every May for some convention and this year she and I and then four other girls were supposed to go. So I took the time to make a media kit and put all of our stats, our pictures, pictures of us together at events. And then I sent it out to people. I was like, hey, we're coming to Vegas. Between all of us, this is how many impressions. This is the kind of stuff we post. Put us at your hotel. Put us at your restaurants. And it worked. And then, of course, COVID happened. But it's okay because it was so fun to do that. And I'm I'm going to do that once the world opens back up. And even for things like this, like I want to recommend Dana for as a guest on your podcast. And she does the same for me. And it's like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. But it's out of like the kindness of my heart. It's out of like a genuine love yeah. and relationship that you yeah. have with each other. But it's all because of the connections I've made and the friendships I've built. And at the end of the day, if Instagram got deleted tomorrow I know that they'd all still be my friends and we'd all find a new way to be creative and it Mm -hmm. would all be okay so going back to media kits for people who don't know a media kit or an EPK is really just like a PDF document that's really visual Mm -hmm. and shows what you bring to the table when working with a brand so the amount of impressions you have your followers past partnerships and the results that you got from that but for influencers who are really just starting out and they don't really have that experience, what do you think that they should put on their media kit? So, okay, if you guys aren't familiar, Canva is the I best li- resource. I live for Canva. Exactly. If you don't pay for Photoshop, if you don't know how to use Photoshop, Canva is basically a free Photoshop for dummies. It's amazing. I make my highlight um, icons on Instagram oh my God, on Canva. I make everything on Canva. I made my media kit on Canva. So media kits shouldn't be long. It, you have to think about it as a resume. It's like you're going into an interview interview you're taught in school your resume should be one page because they don't want to be turning pages sitting there staring for long you want to put the good stuff at the top and like let them know like the little baby details that you want to include like your school and your skills and that's it a media kit is essentially the same thing and a media kit is 
also can be described as a portfolio, an EPK, a brand deck, whatever, but in influencer lingo, it's called a media kit. So the first page should be your name, your website, and your Instagram handle, and a a nice, welcoming, amazing, beautiful picture of you. If you are just starting out, you you need to take pictures. You need to have something that shows who you are as a brand. Um, Even if you have five followers, you need to start creating your content. You really shouldn't be promoting yourself or pitching yourself until you have content, and that's okay. Um, Along with those pictures, in my media kit, I like to put my demographics, um, and that includes gender, age range, and top five locations, because when working with brands, it's important for them to know that 40% of your following is male and 60% is female. Just like I said earlier with the bikini models, that's great, but if 80% of your following is male, then there are certain brands that might not like that, and that's okay, because there's other brands that will. Um, Along with demographics, I like to include insights like my monthly impressions, um, my average story views, and I leave room. Like I'll say between 800 and 1500 and I'll change it. I like to make a point to edit it every month with my new numbers. And then um, a contact page. This is how you can reach me. Here's my email. Here's my number if you want to include that. Here's my resume and that's it. And Not resume, um, website. And... um, this is a really good tool to have when you're doing outreach to brands. You can say, just so you can get a better sense of who I am as a brand and how I work with brands. Oh, and then of course you should include brands you've worked with. Um, or if you don't have brands you've worked with, you can put brands that align with you and you can like word it nicely, like dream brands and like include the brand you're reaching out to in that and say like, and just make it so that they can tell the exact type of person you are. Maybe don't put like, Toyota, McDonald's, L'Oreal, like maybe like pick a little niche and go with that. But again, like I've worked with Toyota, so I include that. But then I also include the makeup brands and I have photo proof to do that. But the Toyota campaign went hand in hand with my fashion and beauty influencing because they wanted me to like style outfits with the car. So yeah, and it was so long ago, but I worked with them twice because they loved what I did. And now I include that in my brand deck because, you know, a car campaign is, it's a nice, a nice fun perk of the gig (laughs) I think also for example if you don't have that following you don't really have much to put on there and you're listening and you're like well I don't really have any of that I think that something cool you could do is if you have business experience like Mm -hmm. you worked at an agency and you did content creation or you taught yourself content creation you can put in examples of maybe you didn't work with Toyota but you did like a really cool content shoot on your own and you showed what the content could potentially look like on your feed that would as a brand would make me feel more inclined to reach out to you even if you don't have like a lot of experience or a lot of followers and I think people really get stuck on the whole follower aspect and I can tell you from the brand side it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like especially at Grey Goose we really focus on authenticity and uh, relatability and really you know we'll work with people that have smaller followings that have awesome content that engage with their following if they have a huge engagement rate and have a smaller following we're gonna pay them to do stuff as opposed to someone with a million followers who gets like 200 likes yeah because you get so much more bang for your buck you get content you can repurpose you get sales i mean listen i couldn't agree more it is not about your following do not get discouraged if you're not getting a million followers i have had so many great opportunities and i don't have a million followers and um 
again, like I don't look at that either. I think that's such a good idea to include that in your media kit because that elevates you as a creative person in general. And if they don't end up hiring you for an influencer campaign, maybe they hire you to design something 100%. for them. 100%. And I I think there's so much value in offering analytics. Um, Instagram gives you this free resource of being a, great, a creator or a business profile. And then you instantly get all these analytics of how many people swiped up, how many people share, how many impressions it got. So whenever I do a campaign and whenever my influencers do a campaign, it's part of the package. Um, the client receives analytics 24 hours after the post go live. Um, good or bad, I think it's really important to be transparent because it just ups your chances of getting rehired. It reassures the brand that they're putting their they're investing in something that's worth it, and that to me is just amazing. And if someone doesn't want to share analytics with you, if you're like you're a brand listening, then that's a red flag of 100%. fake followers. I mean. I'm so happy to share analytics and if I'm having a bad day because the Instagram algorithm is so bizarre that sometimes my story views are so low I'm like where did everyone go did I say something did I do something and then the next day they'll skyrocket and that's okay like if that happens and I'm working with the brand and the views get lower I'll like throw in an extra story in the next day or two when like my views are back to normal and then I'll send it to the brand I'll be like I'm so sorry but look how well it reacted this time and that's it you just You know, like you have all these great resources that Instagram and social media channels have provided that like you should really be including that in your media kit, in your in your pitch emails, in your follow up emails and whatever. And brands will appreciate that and remember that because not everyone does it. I think transparency is so important because even if like you were saying you have a bad day and maybe you posted something and you got half the amount of likes, you can sort of spin it when you talk to them and be like, hey, this was a really great learning opportunity for me that maybe I shouldn't focus on this product, but maybe I should focus on something else. And that way they don't feel like you're, you know, inflating your numbers Mm -hmm. or trying to make it look different. And they'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Wow. She was genuine. She said the truth. Maybe, maybe we will try it out for another product. Honestly, all they're asking for is transparency and being honest. Like, it's just it's first of all it's illegal if you're buying followers and then getting paid to promote something because you need to be able to show like that there's an ROI like if you're asking for a thousand dollars you need to know as a business person that you're gonna make them a thousand dollars plus like right. like they're need, gonna make their money exactly and then you're gonna get hired again from them because it's hard for them to go find new talent new reliable hardworking authentic talent when they've already worked with you before they know your audience likes you like my Sertera partnership is an ongoing partnership because I show them the direct messages I get I show them the swipe up links I show them all these people who got their med cards because of me and that is influence you know totally so I have some rapid fire questions Ooh. for you that we're going to end on. Okay. I think we had some really good content here. Um, okay. Three products that you can't live without. If you only could wear three products for the rest of your life. That really is stressful. I okay. know. Um, like beauty? Like makeup? Yeah, makeup. Okay. Um, obviously my felt tip eyeliner. I really like the Rimmel London one. I forget like the exact name of it, but I post it all the time. The Rimmel London felt tip eyeliner. Um, my It Cosmetics CC cream. Oh my god, I'm wearing that right now. It's so it's good because it has SPF, like so that works with sunscreen, and it also does coverage. 
I feel like it just makes you so glowy. Oh, like I, my sister showed me this product. Shout out Jacqueline. She showed it to me when I had no idea how to do my makeup and it like transformed my perspective. It's foundation for dummies. Right. And it also gives you SPF, which, you know, like protect your skin. It's really important. You don't want to age. You don't want skin cancer. And we, in Miami, and it doesn't matter if you're inside all day, the sun's still shining. So yeah, the It Cosmetics CC cream is just, oh, everything. kiss. I know, amazing. literally. And then, ooh. This is hard. Oh, Kylie Cosmetics um, liquid lip in um, Malibu. It's literally like my favorite new Are you wearing it ever. now? Yeah. I was going to compliment you. I, I love you. it. It's like a really good natural lip tone, but like with a little more like matte oomph. I love it. I order it in bulk and I just put one in every bag. There's one in my bathroom. It's dramatic, but yeah, those are my three rider dye projects products it's like a rosy nude and I feel like I'm always on the hunt for one and I can never find a color and it lasts forever like I put it's a matte liquid lip so like I maybe apply it three times throughout the day between like eating and drinking I mean not so much anymore because we don't (laughs) do anything but when I'm when I'm wearing a lipstick when I'm going out in public oh the Kylie Cosmetics liquid lip for sure okay cool so one last final question you only have one day in Miami what are you doing from start to finish, from when you wake up, everything you're eating, places you're going. I know. Okay. Um, we got the hard questions start. over here. We're going to grab a coffee. We're going to go grab a coffee from, well, I make my coffee now. I'm trying to, and I'm such like a basic white girl. I love Starbucks. But we're going to support local. So gra- go grab a coffee somewhere on South of Fifth, maybe Pura Vida. Um, I, or Panther. Or Panther, yeah. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah, shout out Panther. Um, I love their macadamia nut milk. Oh, my God. I love oh God, alternative so milks. I love it. And I'm not <laughs> vegan or plant-based. We're, like, officially adults because we just said we love alternative milks. I know, okay. like, oat milk all day. Um, okay, definitely grab a coffee somewhere. Because we're in Miami, I just – I love being outside. It's a little hot right now, but if you're, like, ready and, and put your hair up and put on a workout outfit – then I would grab a bike from like a city bike station and just bike around south south of Fifth, go to South Point, um, picnic there. It's literally my favorite activity. I would pick up Joe's Takeaway, get a chopped salad from Joe's, some stuffed tomatoes, and um, go have a picnic at South Point, put down a blanket, put the bike back in, hang out, walk around. Um, then, I mean, I, I would, back when life is normal, grab a drink um, either at like bodega somewhere in the neighborhood cute little bar outdoor bar whatever i love oliver's also for like happy hour oh my god we love oliver's and then dinner somewhere i don't know i've been so disassociated disassociated from life i know i I order like from the same two places over and over (laughs) it's actually oh my god it's (laughs) sickening yeah i mean if like i'm just like trying to think of like what life was like six months ago i mean like because me and emily are both we both live in south beach we actually live like one floor apart (laughs) one floor apart from each other it just magically happened because we're just meant to live in the same building that's literally the universe being the universe pulling us together. together exactly um, the two places that I order from are Moshi Moshi for oh, sushi, so which is like fresh so bomb sushi, and Alma Mexicana, oh, we which love is Alma. Oh I know. I want it now. Oh, I guess I would have like dinner at uh, Pub Belly just because it's just so good and it's right here, or Lucali. Like, Ooh. give me that pizza with a kale salad and some meatballs, and I'm like one very happy girl. Give me like, the thirty dollar pizza. Oh, I'm take my money. I yeah, don't even literally. care. So yeah, that's like a really good day for me, but. 
I love where we live. I could just like sit on my balcony and look at the view. And now I, I'm just, I'm such like a loner homebody in the best way. Like honestly, it's been really good for my mental health. Like I'll do my Peloton at like five o'clock and then I'll be on it for an hour. And then like at six, 6.30 when it gets less hot, I'll go sit on my balcony and just like listen to a podcast, listen to music, enjoy some Sorterra products and just like chill. And it's my new favorite way to wind down. And this is coming from someone who used to, someone used to tell me that I would go to the opening of an envelope and it's true this is like I used to go to events five nights a week and I like made it a rule to like not do anything Monday and not do anything Sunday but that was it and now I'm like events I don't want to do anything I like not having to dress up I feel like this whole pandemic situation has had people reevaluate how they spend their time Mm -hmm. because I also was like running around so much and once I was forced to stop and and see like oh well what can I do in this limited situation? I feel like it's helped me take care of myself yeah. so much more. Like I'm working out more. I'm eating healthier because I'm home all the time. So I'll cook food. Um, you know, I'll prioritize reading you, you or something. Towards, you yeah, prioritize yourself, which I, you and I are the same way when it comes to like work and life. Like I don't think we ever did that. Like we did. We but never not... separated work and life. Exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. it was all and one. And now, like, oh my God, I am the healthiest and happiest I've ever been. I just love not doing anything at night. I mean, it's been it's been really great. Like, it, it's hard, but I'm just focusing on the positive and doing what I can to stay afloat and help other people stay afloat and hopefully inspire people. But, you know, Miami's a great place to live. And even with the pandemic, like, we get to be outside. We get to see the water from our apartment. We get to walk to go grocery shopping. And it's... It's the little things that I appreciate now more than ever. Same. I feel like I haven't even used my car this entire time no. because just we to just go walk home. around. Just go to our parents. Exactly. I literally use my car to go to my parents. Exactly. Same, same here. <laughs> exactly. Because it's so walkable here and it really makes you appreciate yeah. being outside and a nice day because it's been so rainy and whatnot here. But um, it really is the little things. It's the little things. And you got to focus on that. Like everyone has their bad days. I sure as hell have a lot of bad days. But you know, he got a, my dad, okay, last story, <laughs> like six years ago, I spilled miso soup on my laptop and it broke and I had a full, I lost my shit to put it nicely and I called my dad crying and he goes, you need to calm down and I was like, how can I calm down? This sucks, my life's over and he's like, what are you talking about? If this is the bad in your life, accept it. You can afford to get a new computer, it's not the end of the world, you're gonna wake up tomorrow, you have a roof over your head and ever since he said that, anytime I'm having a bad day or I'm like bitching and moaning about something that's quote unquote bad, I always think back to that. I'm like, okay, if this is the bad in my life, then I'm going to take it because it is so much worse for other people and not to sound lame or cliche, but like you really got to appreciate everything we have because we have so much more than others and living in Miami and the fact that we can do all these things that we like to do, you know, the bad could be worse. <laughs> exactly. I feel like that's the perfect place to end this podcast. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much. I love you. I'm so happy to have you. I hope you enjoyed listening. Follow me at The Blair List on Instagram and Twitter. Like the Facebook page, subscribe, all that good stuff, and keep it locked. New episode dropping next Wednesday at 5 p.m.